0: you have to go in it because of your passion. That is the one thing like you cannot go into it for the glitz, the glamour, the behind the scenes thing, the the telling your friends because they think it's cool. It's not that like you're not going to find happiness if you go into a job because of that. It's crazy because, you know, you just have to keep keep at it, keep at it. My mom said the whole time, she's like, what are you doing? You know, she felt like I was just working towards a non-goal, but it ended up Becoming something big. And as long as you work hard for it, you can definitely achieve it.
1: This is your favorite podcast in all of the podcasts, or like maybe your 50th. It is Social on the Sidelines, (laughs) presented by Front Office Sports. This episode brought to you by our friends over at Team Infographics, as per usual. They make some fire graphics. They made the one of Amara and I, and probably your favorite team's graphics too. Am I right, Amara?
2: Yes, they're awesome. And definitely hit them up if you're looking to create, elevate, or distribute great content.
1: Yes, you can follow them at Team InfoGraphs or find them online. Where, Amara?
2: TeamInfographics.com.
1: That just sounds good.
2: I know, right? We we got... We got you. We got (laughs)
1: y'all with the fire content. But anyway, this episode today, um, we had Alexis Morgan on from the Memphis Grizzlies, former colleague of our very own Amara Beck.
2: Yeah, I was so excited that she finally answered our text messages.
1: It only took like weeks. Literally.
2: I'm used to it with her, but this, you know, I'm super happy that she joined us.
1: Yeah, no, but it was a really cool conversation just because she talked about, um, as per usual, everyone talks about their journey, but hers is especially unique because she went from hedge fund to all working kinds of free. different. <laughs> yeah. Working for free to find her way all the way to Memphis, but still working with Slam magazine. It, it's just a wild journey. She had some really great advice. Um, some really great insight in terms of staying true to, you know, um, chasing her dreams, and also just being real that, you know, sometimes it's okay to not necessarily know what's all going to happen. Yeah.
2: And she, too, has built her brand, you know, on specifically NBA Twitter, but she's really used social media to her advantage and has done a really, really good job um, building a name for herself.
1: Yeah, she put out a fire tweet the other day. She has a lot of she has a lot of fire tweets, but uh, I would highly recommend following Alexis yes. if you already don't. Her you are Twitter an NBA handle fan.
2: is at Alexis K Morgan. Give her a hey
1: follow. Alexis, Alexis, y'all, you better pay us for this one. This right? is. <laughs> look at all the followers you're about to get. It's true. <laughs> uh, no, but this week obviously a very exciting week at the time that we're recording this, the NBA draft is tomorrow night, which means tonight Amara and I are preparing to stay up all night tomorrow and Friday. It's going to be a crazy end to the week. Uh, The NBA draft is always filled with tons of excitement, but I feel like, especially now for this one, just because this off season is already off to a wild start with the rumors and this and that um, people, are very hyped about it. And that being said, from a team perspective, we have to be um, flexible and willing to adapt to any and every situation. So there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes when it comes to these types of events, such as draft, free agency, et cetera, that a lot of people don't necessarily know about. One of which being, and Amara, feel free to you know share what's going on over in Portland right now, but on the Wolves' end, like we are... Essentially, planning for every type of scenario. So we have backup plans. We have backup, backup plans, and uh, essentially planning for any pick number, any drafty. Uh, you know, there's always a potential for trades. So it's it's a wild time planning around the office.
2: Yeah, we we are preparing the same way. Um, got a couple people on hand back at um, the offices, and a couple of us are going to be at the practice practice facility um so yeah i mean it's this is actually my first experience with a first round draft pick so last year memphis had two second rounds it was kind of chill and it was a lot of waiting around so i'm looking forward to uh seeing what happens tomorrow
1: i'm i'm really excited about it um both amara and i's team's picks are relatively close 20 and 24 so um it should be fun
2: yeah I, I'm more excited to see, you know, the top. Like wh- what's gonna happen? You know, you don't know. It's I feel like chaos is about to ensue.
1: Tomorrow's about to be crazy. I know. If we uh we might we might even have to hop back on if something crazy happens and, and retalk on the weekend, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that being said, in addition, on on my end, what's going on in terms of my team, we actually have WNBA All Star voting underway. It's taking place in Minneapolis this year. So that's also launching around the same week as NBA Draft. So, as you might imagine, there is a ton of stuff to do between our staff on the digital content team, uh, between covering Lynx games, preparing for WNBA All Star, putting together content plans for All Star coverage duties um, while still going about the day to day and planning long term. So, essentially, uh, kind of in a nutshell, Working in sports in general, there's always tons of stuff coming up, and I tweeted about it. But like, when marketers hit me up and say, "Tell me how your off season is going," <laughs> whether we had a WNBA team or not, like even when I was in Sacramento, I'm like, "Bro, ma'am, please, we do not have an off season. Yeah. This is not a thing." Like from a social perspective, you might be like, "Oh, well." you know you had months to prepare for summer league and draft and there are so many other things that go into the day-to-day social and content planning for the following season that start the week that the season ends and then you're still recapping the past it's let me not get started because your boy's about to go off
2: no and and roster changes how can you plan for these things if you don't know you know free agency is going to hit and yeah. Are
1: you telling me you don't run the team? Are you I telling mean, me you're not the GM of the team?
2: I actually am. Don't tell anybody. That'd be pretty lit. Um, sometimes I'm, a at, get... your I'm a <laughs> at your boss. I'm at your boss. <laughs> when we get tweets like "Oh, trade so and so," or "Oh, blah blah blah," it's like "Oh, for sure, yeah. I'll just do that right now." Okay. Thanks for that That's,
1: that's my favorite. <laughs> uh, uh, in other news, Instagram TV launched today, which uh, it's a cool. Feature. I watched a few of them today. The Tim Timberwolves and Lynx themselves haven't hopped in quite yet, but we will obviously uh, look to enter when an opportunity arises that we feel comfortable with. That being said, I know Amara and team get uh, it off today on, on launch day.
2: Yeah, it's really cool. IGTV, um, it's vertical video, and it's actually, I, I really think it's, it's interesting. It's um, geared toward like more long form video. Uh, which will be interesting to see how it's received. We did um, two, two things. We did like a mini camp with some of our uh, players that were working out um, with our draft people, free draft workouts, and then we did a season recap and then just converted it to vertical. Um, but I saw something really cool. I think it was actually, it was the Vikings, shout out Minnesota. Um, oh. it was really cool they did like a kind of a split screen um interview with oh my gosh what is his name brain. Somebody. brain no it's the quarterback what's his name
1: oh hey not case i almost said Case and kirk Cousins.
2: yes no mm, i'm sorry. gonna edit that was, part out it was definitely Wait, what they did it didn't... was kirk Cousins? no 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 it was it kirk
1: fam no. let no, me no, pull no. up my no, phone no, right no, no, now it wasn't while i'm it on wasn't, it wasn't it I'm wasn't. telling you. Hold up. Uh,
2: <laughs> let me look. Let
1: hold me look. up.
2: No, it wasn't Kirk Cousins. I don't
1: think. Stop it. All right. Oh, if you're wrong, on, hold I'm up. Like, Hold I can't up. See it.
2: No, I'm stressed out.
1: I'm telling you, it's Kirk Cousins.
2: You know, but I think I'm wrong.
1: I well, I also think you're wrong.
2: No, it was Kirk Cousins. Boom.
1: I to- your girl's what?
2: right. I, what
1: I said, Kirk Cousins.
2: I know. But, oh. I remembered it was the quarterback. I am a football aficionado. Have it on the I
1: starters. am going to delete you from my entire <laughs> life. Before.
2: But anyway, the Minnesota Vikings really utilized this platform well. Um, I think it was, like, it was exclusive content, and I really thought they did a good job. So, it'll be interesting to see how it's perceived, and there's pretty cool, like, post analytics. You can see, like uh, how, when people are dropping off and it's pretty cool. I like it.
1: Okay. So on that note, because a lot, one of the things that, uh, you know, folks in the industry definitely know and folks outside the industry might not know is one of the things when you work in social is you need to be nimble in terms of your strategy and be able to adapt on the fly. Kind of like we were talking about with draft content, it's just social in general. There's always a new product coming out that you have to, gauge whether that's the right platform to hop onto or a new idea to take advantage of so in this scenario you know i want to say two years back 18 months back uh, you know stories went live and that you know kind of threw a wrench into things in terms of ig so now this tv platform came about how do the conversations start on your end so you can kind of uh you know shed some insight for folks in terms of how these conversations take place and how the content actually, uh, you know, is put on the platform on the first day? Like how much planning goes into that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on um, how much notice we get for a new um, feature like that. I think that, you know, it's tough in the off season um, to do things player related because, you know, XYZ is not here or whatever. Um, But I think, uh, yeah, I mean, we uh, shot something specifically for that. It was quote unquote exclusive content. Um, but I definitely, definitely like the split screens and the interviews. And I, I don't know. I think the sky's the limit with this one. I think. What do you think?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes. Uh, I know a lot of the folks who are tuning into Instagram are now looking solely for videos mm-hmm. and. Me, personally, I'm on the Explore page more and more than I was used to in the past, just because the home feed, it's not, first of all, go back to chronological, that's yeah, that's just me, sure. but I'm, I'm... No, so I'm on <laughs> the Explore page a lot, just because they're trying, I think, to, to tailor some videos and things that I'd enjoy. That being said, Facebook has obviously turned into where people are going for video, and Instagram, I think, is trying to follow suit, so that more and more time is being spent on the platform and that's kind of your go to hub between stories that are being utilized more in imagery and uh you know visual storytelling. So I I it's too early for me to say, me personally, when IG stories, if I'm being frank, first came out, I was like, I am not a huge fan, but now really? I really Yeah, when it first when it first came out, I was like I was a big Snapchat guy, so I was like, this is you're just you just copied it and now from a professional standpoint obviously i don't know anybody that prefers snapchat over instagram stories
2: Right.
1: we've actually kind of outlawed snapchat from our content um just because we haven't necessarily seen the returns that we're seeing on ig in terms of viewership yeah, sure. and you know swipeable content and and some of the analytics that they're providing so uh, yeah. things and change I
2: mean, yeah and i also think you know at least in the NBA, um, when I was in Memphis, all of our guys were on Instagram, and if they had Snapchat, that was kind of like their personal face. I don't think they're looking for Grizzly's content on Snapchat. They went to Instagram. Uh, every single one of them watched every single one of our stories. You know, so I think you kind of have to tailor to your personnel as well and where they're going to see the content that you're putting out. And that, for us, was IG.
1: Right, for sure. So I, I think. As per usual, sports teams are going to find a way to utilize the platform in a w- amazing ways. I'm really excited to see how some of the NFL teams are doing it with like training t- camp coming up. And yeah. of course they have, um, some really great video staffs. Uh, shout out to the Miami Dolphins who I think do great video work, mm-hmm. um, across the board. Um, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to, to how things shift. I, I saw some of the videos today between the Blazers, the Kings uh you know the vikings and then gary v who I'm a big fan of uh was testing out new things but yeah right now it's essentially the equivalent of youtube vertically on your phone um so yeah it'll be we'll see how it differentiates i guess
2: yeah and on a side note um you and i will be at the twitter sports summit situation
1: yes and I'm we are going to super be...
2: excited
1: about it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm super hyped. I've been to Twitter headquarters once before, but I've never partaken in any of their summits uh or any of their like uh speaking events. Um so, I'm really excited to learn about some of the changes that they're making to the platform and some of the insights that they're sharing. Essentially, this summit is ex- exclusive to social media members of Professional sports leagues in America. So, uh, a lot of college teams are going to be there, a lot of MLB teams, NHL, NFL, NBA, um, eSports, even, and your your boy and your Amara. Your girl, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Your boy and Amara. I meant to say your boy and Amara, and then I just got it. Anyway. So, we're going (laughs) to. We are hopefully going to get some crazy good interviews from people there. Look out. um, We're going to make it very diverse. We're going to diversify our portfolio on social sidelines and head into hopefully MLB. uh, Hopefully get somebody from the NHL, the NFL, esports, and maybe even college. We're being real ambitious here. We're trying to do this all in one night. In like one day. (laughs) If we can do this, it's going to be lit.
2: And if it's not, just don't erase at us from your yes.
1: memory. Don't at us ever. It's not. <laughs> uh. Anyway, last thing before we bring you into the conversation between Alexis and Amara and I, because Alex, because Amara showed up to the podcast for once, but that's it. Let's talk about Puma, folks. They are out here signing everyone. They're signing your mom, your dad, your aunt. Anyone who's ever played basketball in your family is signing with Puma. Beware. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. <laughs> <laughs> DeAndre Aiden's out there. Marvin Bagley's Jay-Z. out there. Rudy Gay is out there. Jay-Z is out there. Amara and I did not get our offer yet. We are yet, not... we're hoping to. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I-, <laughs> I feel like it's so random. I I had all the Puma gear in, like, sixth grade, so I'm super... Excited I don't believe that. you! No, I swear! I mean, I didn't wear the basketball shoes, but... God thing, you know. The I didn't even
1: know there was basketball shoes. Yeah, I thought no. they were trolling us when they first said that.
2: I, I'm happy for Puma. I think it's random that I'm happy
1: for them. I, they appreciate you being happy for them. Shout the one thing them. I will say... Shout out Puma. The one thing I will say in regards to... Puma is they launched when they launched their basketball brand. They launched their Puma hoops uh, Twitter account, which I was seeing was doing some unique stuff. uh, Relatively, they started I want to say a few days back, and they had a pretty cool tweet. I thought um, clever. They when they had their shoe revealed, they named it as if it was like an image file name. Um, So that was pretty cool. They have some strong graphics here and there. Um, I'm curious to see how they're going to kind of break into or take away share from Nike, Adidas, Under, Under Armour, etc. Yeah. Just because right now they they released what the shoe was today, and I mean it looks okay. Personally, I'm I'm huge in the shoes, so your boy I probably would not rock it on a basketball court, but it maybe looks cool to wear. Lifestyle wise. So I'm curious to see how much uh, traction their, their kicks are going to get because their comments are uh, not getting great love. Yeah.
2: You know what we say? The motto of Social on the Sidelines is don't read nope. the comments. The
1: mentions. Yes. Okay. You said comments. <laughs> I said
2: sure. We'll work on
1: it. Sure. Yes. Puma, I, we appreciate you, but if if y'all are gonna do all this and not sponsor social on the sidelines, we're disappointed. <laughs> we're Agreed. we're disappointed, but not surprised. Agreed. Some one of y'all has to believe in us. Shout out Team Infographic. Shout out Front Office Sports. Shout out Miami you Miami Online, Online Sport Administration Program. Shout out all of them. They believed in us. Y'all saw the vision.
2: Shout out to our moms. Shout out Find
1: somebody <laughs> that believes in you, like Puma believes in their basketball shoes.
2: That's
1: beautiful. I'm a, I'm become a poet, a rapper, a Puma poops ambassador.
2: Model.
1: Ambassador, give me that influencer money. I got y'all. Let me hit my 800 or 900 IG followers with this fire. With my deformed feet. I got y'all.
2: This took a turn for the worst.
1: Just like my feet. Okay. Just like my feet. We are
2: at no change the subject.
1: <laughs> I'm going to hit all of the social design <laughs> by listeners. If y'all want some fire foot photos. No! Of me rocking kicks. No, not of my feet. I'm not sending y'all feet pictures. That's weird. I'm saying of my kick. My Kicks collection. If y'all think yeah. I could rock Pumas, hit me in the DMs. I'ma send y'all by collection, and you you tell me if these colors will work with my wardrobe, and I might do it. Maybe I'll get them, just for y'all.
2: Okay. I'm here for it.
1: Man, I got so hyped about this. This is the most hype I've been on this podcast oh,
2: no. since
1: Amara wasn't on it.
2: Wow. Hey, everybody. This is Amara Baptist and Shabazz Khan. Social on the Sidelines, Episode Seven. Are we at seven already?
1: Well, you should know, but Amara ditched our last episode, so I I understand why why she did. Who do we have on today, Amara?
2: Um, I'm super excited because we have one of my best friends, Alexis Morgan, in the house.
1: (laughs) What's up, Alexis? (sighs) The crowd
0: goes wild. Hey, what's going on? (laughs)
2: um how are Alexis, you guys today? thank you for joining our podcast this is super exciting oh, no
0: problem i'm i'm excited because the only podcast i've ever been on is chris vernon's and he takes control over the whole thing and so it's nice to have <laughs> a podcast where i actually can speak and i don't get run over shout out Verno. Well,
1: we, we never know with amara you know she's <laughs> she's kind of a wild card so she I might still interrupt you
2: super aggressive <laughs> um alexis how are you how is life
0: i am i am okay it's it's been a tough road ever since you left the grizzlies to a far far away land i feel like simba where i'm looking out into the into the vast land and it's like a mars over there and i can't go over there i have to stay in pride rock
1: (laughs) she you might say it's the toughest road would you not
0: uh probably the toughest road yes i mean y'all can come
2: visit just come visit me
0: you know how hard it is to get to portland from memphis i have to go like by <laughs> boat plane i have to walk some <laughs> i have to bike it's like 3000 miles uphill both ways
2: oh my gosh okay anyway moving on um alexis <laughs> tell the people who are listening obviously you are famous on the internet but tell people who are listening <laughs> oh. <laughs> what you do and um yeah go for it
0: awesome I'm so excited because I actually um reviewed this podcast so it's so fun to like be on a a podcast that I've reviewed but um yes you lost weight
2: right listening to it is that can you confirm
0: yes so I lost um five pounds I'm now into (laughs) my summer body mode I got a promotion at work (laughs) <laughs> um, the only negative downside was it that you got a better job, but that's that's the only downside of listening to podcasts. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I used to work with Amara at the Grizzlies. Um, I do digital re- uh, content reporting, which is basically uh, reporting on the internet. And um, I don't know, it's been a fun road. It's going into my third season. Um, this is the first season without Amara. It's like Almost uh, uh, BC and AD before Amara <laughs> and after her death. It's like that's how the uh, that's how I count the time.
1: You got to change that to AB.
0: AB. <laughs> after you're out Baptist, of control. you're out of control. <laughs> We're now coming on three weeks AB. So yeah. it's been a tough road. I'm just waiting for the second coming of uh, Amara. Bab Christ.
2: <laughs> this episode of Social on the Sidelines is supported by the University of Miami's Online Graduate Sport Administration Program, which is a top-rate graduate program with a highly respected reputation among employers.
1: It's program is designed with your schedule in mind and it offers the flexibility needed for any professional looking to break into or advance in the sports industry. Plus, if you apply by July 16th to the program, they're gonna waive your application fee. So be sure to check out the program at miami.edu/online. slash So tell us a little bit about your journey to to where you're at now, 3 weeks AB.
0: Yeah, so I um I went to school in at Penn State for public relations. I always thought I would be the person out there helps spreading the mem- uh, the message of customers. You uh, were going to say the Memphis. I
1: know, so I <laughs> <laughs> You're in straight corporate mode right I know, now. I know.
0: <laughs> I'm a company man. <laughs> so I, I thought I was always going to be spreading the message of businesses to consumers. And I had wanted to do that for a few years prior to going to college. So when I got to Penn State, I knew exactly what I wanted to do and I had all these internships and I, I worked a lot in the sports, um, properties world. And I got an internship with the women's basketball team at Penn state. And, um, they had seen me because I had worked, um, in various other aspects, um, in the sports landscape there. And they said, Hey, you should do a sideline reporter for our women's basketball team for the big 10 network. It's a network that. Um, where all of these Big Ten schools, sports um, get shown on. And they were doing this new program where they would have students as their sideline reporters. So it was it was an awesome experience and opportunity. And I was scared because I had never done any journalism prior to that. So I said yes. And my first live hit, I have I honestly look back. I don't know anything that I said. I probably just mumbled and stumbled through the entire thing. I blacked out. (laughs) <laughs> it was my first time ever blacking out. And uh, so I ended up, keep kept working at it and I got pretty good at it. And so then I picked up a second major in journalism and I started doing more sports journalism and fell in love with it. And then after Penn State, I thought that because I had focused too much on the sports Journalism world that I needed to be more balanced, so I went to Columbia Journalism School, and that was a very hard news program school. It's like don't cut corners. This is how you do it. This is how uh, the foundations of journalism are, and this is and you should be this type of journalist. So it was very, um, it was very boxy. Like you had to be this type of journalism uh, journalist, but. I thought it was good because it gave me uh, a great foundation of what to do and what not to do. But I knew that I didn't want to do anything that was too serious. So after after I went to Columbia, I wanted to stay in New York City because it's best city. It, it, it was amazing. But... It was the number one media market in the country and I probably wouldn't find a journalism job right out of school. So I started as a receptionist at a hedge fund to basically just, you know meet ends and pay for my living in New York City, which is highly expensive. <laughs> so I worked my way up in the hedge fund world and I started doing uh, more investor relations communications. And I did some journalism stuff on the side. And then I moved to LA and I did investor relations for a real estate investing company. And I worked with Slam out there in LA as well. And I did some freelance videos on the red carpets. And so I did a an ESPYs video and Memphis saw it and they said, hey, we saw this video. We want this type of reporter who basically plays up the entertainment aspect of it like it's it, you people watch it they have a good time watching it there's nothing that serious with it and they invited me to come for an interview and the rest is history
1: man when's the movie dropping
0: <laughs> it would be Seriously. a very boring movie
1: fam you went from pr to journalism to hedge funds yes to basketball man i I'm shook. This is crazy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy because, you know, you just have to keep, keep at it, keep at it. My mom said the whole time, she's like, what are you doing? You know, she felt like I was just working towards a non-goal, but it ended up becoming something big. And as long as you work hard for it, you can definitely achieve it.
2: And I think, and at the same time like during all this you're building your own brand on social media right like when did you first start on twitter and and tell us a little bit about how you started to make a name for yourself online
0: i guess i, I my first tweet was in i think february of 2010 and i know that because i had to go back and delete a bunch of tweets <laughs> <laughs> And my online brand in 2010 was abysmal. It was so bad. I was tweeting about how um, my weekly trips (laughs) to Walmart and um, what my future boyfriends were going to be like and (laughs) those type of, it was just, it was such a bad online presence. I, I look back and I just cringe, but I guess I would, I started tweeting about sports in 2015, and I don't think I really found my voice until 2016. 2015 was my first uh, introduction to the NBA via the 2015 All-Star Game in New York City, and I just really loved how close reporters could get to um, the uh, the the athletes, and they had so much access compared to the Super Bowl. And I just started really falling in love with the sport, and then I just went 100% in and I just started watching the every game and became obsessed with it and it car- like it kind of carved out my niche um but I kind of found that I was pretty good at memes and GIFs and it's all about timing and so I just kind of worked on that and kept working and then finally I you know found this like great trifecta and I kept putting out there. I don't know why people think some of my jokes are funny, but they do pretty well.
1: (laughs) Did you anticipate, you know, when you first started from the hedge fund to everything else, like was this kind of the end goal or did it just kind of transform?
0: It was not the end goal. I don't think I had an end goal. All I wanted to do was be happy in life and working in New York City, it kind of When I was working in college, I was working towards like a goal and I was I was hardworking. But then I started working in New York and it was it just kind of dimmed my shine a bit because the hours were so long and I kind of got burnt out. So all I wanted to do was be happy in life and live by a beach. And that's why I moved to L.A. So um, I think I think that's it's funny because I ended up here, um, but I've never been happier.
2: That's That's awesome. So obviously, I know, you know, what you do in Memphis, and I worked very closely with you. Uh, But can you kind of just talk about, you know, the job for people that don't know and kind of just your experience so far at the Grizzlies?
0: Sure. I actually don't know what I do either. (laughs) <laughs> so no i'm just kidding well <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> basically i try to bring a lot of um shine a light to a fan perspective um bring the outsiders inside through behind the scenes access uh, also i in all of my videos, I shine a positive light on the Grizzlies, so it's a little bit public relations and also a little bit of journalism sometimes, but I interview halftime performances. Um, uh, obviously, the coaches and the players, I'll do one-on-ones with them, especially after something big like if Mike Conley you know, going to uh, Wyoming for Kanye's party, I would do an interview with him or um, a big game about, like, after Mark did that uh, crazy uh, shimmy that he did. The What, what was it, Amara?
2: <laughs> the Conor McGregor walk. Yes, the whatever. Conor
0: McGregor walk. And uh, kind of like uh, fans asking questions, and then I ask the uh, athletes questions. Um, I'm trying to think about what else did I do. I'm not sure.
2: Yeah. Digital no, I, content think, videos. Um, I think you're a huge asset to the Grizzlies. and I'm not just saying that because you're my friend. I mean, Aww. I think there's no seriously, there's something to be said for um, the behind the scenes. And um, one of my favorite things that you did was media day. The most recently, most recent one. I think it like oh, yeah. really showed art like art, they're not R anymore. The Grizzlies players um, (laughs) in a life that fans, you know, wouldn't necessarily see. You see them on the court and they're serious and whatever. But I think you do a really good job of bringing out their personalities.
0: Oh, thanks, Laura.
2: You're welcome. I
1: concur. (laughs) Um, So follow up here. Obviously, you've been through quite the journey. But what are a couple instances that stick out to you in terms of whether it was an experience that you had with a team player, just a moment that you had to cover, like what are the few biggest moments or even if it's hedge fund related and that was a really cool experience. Like let us know.
0: I think that sometimes in this job you can get caught up in the hustle and bustle that you start to think everything is normal and it's not the case. So many people would love to have this job. So many people don't understand what it's like to travel with an NBA team, to be on the ground in the, uh, in the other side, like the, uh, business operations side of an NBA team. And so one of the biggest moments to me where I was in line for a TSA going somewhere with the team and, uh, Somebody, the TSA agent opened my bag, and I had my camera in my bag, and my camera was provided by the NBA team. And she's like, "Wow, you know, I love photography. I would do anything to be a photographer." And it's like, that's so crazy because I get to do this as a career. I, I pay my bills by this. I I get to do what my passion is, and it just kind of brings you back, and it makes you appreciate that. Um, this is a blessing and you should appreciate every single day of this because people dream of doing this job.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: That is great advice.
2: I thought you were gonna say the that you played horse with Vince Carter, because that is the coolest (laughs) thing ever.
0: (laughs) Yes, that is another cool thing that I did. And Vince is awesome. Like, you you think of these big names and for some reason they're larger than life and then you meet them and it's just incredible because they're just such down to earth people. And that's exactly what Vince is. Um, I still talk to him occasionally. He was in Cleveland. I didn't get to meet up with him, but it's just weird. Like I've, I have this image of Vince Carter in my head of being that, that, that dunk contest winner Toronto Raptors, Brooklyn Nets, like this big name and then i see this vince carter over here that's like just this regular guy who is just walking around town and someone that i could actually speak to who would know my name it's weird to put the two together yeah i love vince
1: he's vince, the best yes can confirm i didn't i thought you guys were like hyping it up but then he came to sack and it was incredible like he still has hundreds or thousands of fans like that follow him outside the hotels here and there. And he's still super cool about it. He'll still say what's up to every person on staff. Like he's just a good dude.
0: Awesome guy. Building
1: off that, building off that, um, obviously with all the different duties that you've had, whether it be at the Grizzlies or Slam or in the past, with all the changes that went on, what do you think uh, kept you most motivated? and, And what are tools that you use to kind of navigate you through and exhausting journey to get where you want to where you want it to be
0: a lot of the fans motivate me because i kind of feel like my job and my duty is to bring them the best content and interacting with the fans online is just an awesome experience because they a lot of them dictate what direction i'm going towards in a video um, a lot of times i'll ask people Um, For questions for the athletes, what do they want me to ask them? And um, it's just awesome to see that the fans love our content, especially since we kind of try to do something new with Grind City Media. And so I think the fans are what drive me to create better content every day.
2: Yeah, the fans in Memphis are something special for sure.
0: Yeah, they're much better than Sac or Minnesota, but let's not.
2: Uh, no,
1: not just kidding. Not the Blazers,
2: though. a <laughs> hey. just kidding. I have. You gonna leave
1: the Blazers out? Are you gonna roast me? But just leave your friend who ditched you.
2: <laughs> oh man. Okay, Alexis. Um, kind of. So you said you started really getting into NBA Twitter in 2015. Um, mm-hmm. How do you think social Particularly, NBA Twitter has transformed since then, and where do you think it will go? Like, where's
0: NBA Twitter has grown exponentially. It's becoming more of this mainstream thing. I just did an article in the Washington Post about. um, I just was quoted in an article about this exact thing, and it's it's like it's become this such a big part of the entire league that they recognize that NBA Twitter is essential. And that's crazy to me to think of like an ent- a huge league recognizing that this small community on a social media platform is essential and such an influence to the sport in general. And so I think that over the years, NBA Twitter has just grown and grown and grown. And now it's become mainstream. And I don't know what the next step is for NBA Twitter, but I would think maybe something like a Twitch situation where you can watch games live via Twitter and people are commenting on the game itself. And maybe it's not just your timeline. It's just people all over the world or select people that the NBA approves. I'm not sure, but I think that maybe to make a little bit more mainstream, they, they do that for people that maybe are in China, kind of like a Weibo. But um, maybe all over the world. So then it incorporates everybody because I know NBA loves being a global brand.
1: For sure. Absolutely. Um, so talking to folks that may be listening that are interested in pursuing a similar field to you or and I'm sure you have a ton of people reach out to talk about uh, content reporting and just reporting on the NBA. What advice do you have for those folks? And, and what have you learned along your journey?
0: My advice would be to make sure that you build your brand and build a voice because you want to be different than what people are already doing because if you're not, you'll just kind of fall into the flow of everybody else. You got to make yourself different in some way and never give up because obviously I was just doing freelance videos and that's exactly how I landed my job. I wasn't necessarily working a full-time journalism job and worked my way up. A lot of people go into uh, hard news reporting as like a, a journalist in Iowa, and then they have to keep working their way up through the media markets. But I said that was not the path that I wanted to take, so I just did whatever I had to in order to succeed in other ways. You'll always find a way if you try hard enough. But um, I would say just never give up and find your own voice. Um, definitely make sure your brand is strong. Have a website if you want to go into digital content. Um, make sure that you can prove that you are valued um, through all of the content that you produce. And be just a fun person to work with. For
2: sure. Um- What are, who are some of the people that you look up to, like whether it's in digital content or just reporting in general, who are kind of the people that you look up to in the industry?
0: Other than um, Amara.
2: I was waiting for that. Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I look up to uh, Doris Burke is one of those people that if I met that I would kind of be starstruck because she's just an amazing analyst and I love what she's done, um, throughout her career. Um, another one I say is Allie LaForce. She got in super young. She was on NBA TV when she was 25 years old. And from knowing the ins and outs of this business, it takes a long time for people to get on national television. And so for her to do that so quickly, it just speaks to how hard she works and how good she is on camera. So look up to her. Um, let's see for content specifically on twitter i would say rob perez worldwide rob he's um he is the i guess the first one that really made it just through pushing out original content on the internet like he just takes videos on his phone of a television screen and he has like a hundred thousand followers it's just crazy because um to grow just by doing that is he i don't know he's crazy he has like six screens every game so he is somebody i look up to from an nba twitter perspective
1: that's uh, rob also shoots it off an iphone 4s or 5s cassidy okay. was telling us so
2: oh I my god. god i think it's like an to... iphone 5 or something insane that's way. crazy
1: <laughs> this du- this dude yes uh, half uh, we were saying it to cassidy too but like half of the stuff that i do at least from a team perspective in terms of drawing inspiration are from this dude's captions because he stays with the fire captions and quickly
0: like that. quickly yeah. that's the right. thing that's
1: what i'm saying that's and what i'm saying
0: to, to like get the video it's his videos are always the first one out they always have fire captions and it's like, it's, he just makes it so quickly that no one can ever keep up.
2: And he does uh, car chases, which I think are amazing. <laughs> Live. Live car chases. Like, how do you have time? It's, it's inspirational. And I didn't even know that was a thing.
0: Did he make that a thing? Yeah, like for Like, everybody
1: sure. watching? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, yes.
0: And now people are, it's like a cult following. <laughs> I never thought that... Never live police chases would be an area of the internet that people would be involved in encapsulated by like that's crazy.
2: Yeah. Amara
1: is going to do like pineapple pizza reviews.
2: Actually, that's not that disgusted idea. By. Listen, I tried it. I tried it. Did you see the video? I have evidence that I, I ate pineapple on pizza and it was not good. I'm sorry. It just wasn't good.
1: Well, Alexis, I guess what are that's your in thoughts? line with the rest of your tweets.
2: <laughs> yeah, I
1: didn't. Ooh, ooh,
2: gaudy. <laughs> Alexis, you don't like it either.
0: Yeah, I'm not a big fan. It's an, I, I don't know the last time I had pineapple
2: pizza. To be honest, I think I would, I'm not
0: a big fan.
2: I think I would eat like barbecue chicken pineapple pizza, maybe. Now I'm I, I like
0: pineapples right. in my smoothies. I don't need it on my pizza.
2: Yeah, I
1: agree. I, I I would agree with this. All right, back on the topic <laughs> of not pineapple pizza. Um, Give the people so, what they want. Not pineapple pizza or Amara's yeah. tweets. Um, <laughs> oh <so>. damn! <laughs> I'm real Wee! salty that she ditched me on the last podcast. And you can you, Alexis? Would you like to join in place of Amara in all future episodes? Oh, um, oh
0: snap! Do, wow. I a, do I get her her salary?
1: <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> only in pineapple pizza. We get paid in pizza only.
0: Oh man, okay. Uh, so I'm gonna have to super pass on that. <laughs> <Is> it's summer. <laughs> it's summer coming up. Okay, goodbye. I'm I getting will...
1: married next month. You telling me?
0: Salads only.
1: Okay, but real quick, um, last question that I have is obviously you have taken again a very unique journey. I think a lot of people would be interested in. Um, what advice you have for people that are in an industry, they aren't necessarily thinking is their end goal, Mm -hmm. um, but it's a very difficult path to get to sports. So just giving advice to folks that are, um, trying to get in, but not necessarily in it yet.
0: This is a tough one because, um, I worked for free for a lot of companies to produce content for them just to kind of get that exposure. But I can't necessarily say, hey, you should work for free for exposure because that's kind of BS, you know, like companies right. are taking advantage of people f- because of that thing. Like everybody wants to be in sports um, and so people will work for free and it puts other people at a disadvantage because some people can't work for free. So I, I always struggle with this. Um, it's like, do you put out content? Um, for exposure or do you wait for something that pays i don't know what do you think you guys both have experience in in sports and getting into
1: so my perception in this uh when i was an intern with the wolves i was getting paid minimum wage which at the time was i think 705 715 um and then when i left I was at an ad agency, but wanting to get back in sports eventually. And I was covering SB Nation, the Timberwolves site, Summer League games. And I was pretty much spending probably 20 or 30 hours a week in doing it for free because it was SB Nation and I still want to be involved. So Mm -hmm. I I think especially in this day and age, if you can allocate time, I think that's going to be your best bet to try to get in with a sports outlet, even if it is free, just because like you said, it's pretty much a resume in itself, if you're able to cover those things and it provides sports teams and leagues and outlets, some sort of tangible evidence that you're able to work in the space. so I would highly recommend it.
0: Okay. Well, then it's just tough for me to say, because I don't want to be like, I don't want to say lower your worth or, but it's so hard, especially if you don't have a proven track record already. Mm -hmm. Yeah to say, oh, I should, I deserve this internship because X, because you don't have anything to show what X is. And so I, I would just encourage people to do whatever you can, um, whether it be starting your own site, uh, getting in with an established site, um, or um, co- what I did was I contacted people from sites that I wanted to work for. And I said, I gave them a specific thing of what I could provide. I have this idea, this is what I can provide, this is why I should be working for you. And they like that because usually they say they get people that just give them vague reasons why they should be working for them, but I already had like a plan set. And if you have a plan and you go with some you go to somebody with that plan laid out of something that they don't already have, you have to look at what content that they have how they can improve what how you can be a part of that and you present that to them usually that works um well as well
1: i would say i'm gonna get real real for a second um not that i haven't been but to a more extreme (laughs) level um so when i was first starting the the big stereotype i guess around sports is like oh don't get involved if You care about money, right? And when you're first starting out to some extent, like you have to be able to put your foot in the door, which means maybe taking a salary that's different than you're used to outside of the industry, just because there's so many folks that are trying to get in. Mm -hmm. Now, when you get in, if you're able to differentiate enough and you're able to build your expertises in a fashion that sets you apart from everybody else in the industry, that's when you can really start to build up your brand within professional sports or teams or leagues. Um, but I, I think an extent of it as you know, it, it, it taking an L up front, to be quite honest, is being willing to to make sacrifices because when you think about it, there's thousands of applicants for every job in sports. Like I can attest in three days, like I said, we had hundreds of applicants for a social media coordinator entry level position for the Timberwolves links Lynx. And that's obviously a lot different type of, uh, gig than people might be used to for being social coordinators elsewhere. But when there's so many applicants, you need to be able to set yourself apart, um, in different ways. And if that means taking a gig that's, you know, either non-paid or whatever else it may be, you got to be willing to do it because when I first started, quite frankly, I was living in downtown Chicago. And I was making barely enough to pay my rent and food all the time when I started out at not sports, but just in general as a social coordinator. And things have shifted, and um, the, the more work you're willing to put in, the more things change. So um, I think it goes a long way.
0: I also can relate it to the hedge fund world because when you make an investment, You put your money in there and you don't see it for a couple of years. It takes a a while to start getting returns. And that's almost kind of like this industry as well. You can't get into it thinking that this is a lifetime of glamour and excess income and things like that. It's not like you really have to uh, really stick with it for the long term. If you're trying to see a big paycheck, you have to go in it because of your passion that is the one thing like you cannot go into it for the glitz the glamour the behind the scenes thing the the telling your friends because they think it's cool it's not that like you're not going to find happiness if you go into a job because of that so i think people <laughs> sure. i think people have to realize that before they go they try to do these jobs they're just not as glamorous as they seem and because everybody wants the same job everybody all these sports people are r- pushing the income down because every it's a supply and demand yeah. there aren't that many jobs but the demand is high so people have to take some l's um before they finally get that return yes, exactly. on investment for sure yeah
1: that see look look at you here. that was the most fire quote of fire <laughs> quotes I'm about to put that on a graphic and hang it in my room. Awesome. That hedge fund analogy is too lit. But yeah, can confirm. Um, I think a lot of folks from the outside world, like they'll see Alexis played horse with Vince Carter, like Amara got called Annie or whatever Marcus Hall calls you, <laughs> etc. Like they probably think of these things and they're like, oh my God, it's the coolest thing. Like I need that job. Right. But when you think about it that way, rather than, caring about the job itself and not the things that come along with the job, which take hours and years of sacrifice to get to that point, you're never going to get there because you're in it for the wrong reasons, for as sure. Alexis said. And one more piece of advice or personal experience, like I started out as an electrical engineer. Everyone in my family is in like IT or science, the most stereotypical like Middle Eastern Pakistani thing of all time. <laughs> but... And, you know, the, the stigma behind it was like, everyone's like, you get involved for the money. But the thing for me was like, I'm not passionate about engineering and sure, I'm going to make a whole lot less, not be able to pay for my rent and food barely my first time when I'm getting into social, but I'm so passionate about it and I want to become the best at it that I can be at a level that exceeds what I would have made elsewhere. Because when you have no made motivation to be the best at something or to grow, you're going to become stagnated. and and complacent with where you're at whereas if your goal is to become the best or among the best or really good at something you it displays in your work it shows off in your work and and companies and organizations and teams realize that and are giving you opportunities that you wouldn't have had otherwise
2: agreed preach preach thanks for listening to today's episode brought to you by team infographics don't forget to check them out if you're creating or managing content on social media there will be an asset to any digital team out
1: there they are absolutely an asset they create fire graphics they cater to any digital content needs and you can find them online at teaminfographics.com or on the twitterverse at teaminfographs Woo-hoo. it's lit see you later y'all